0: Welcome to Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. In this podcast, we delve into the non-clinical aspects of dentistry with inspirational guests from across the profession. You will hear incredible life stories, pick up valuable business tips, and be entertained. I'm Andy Acton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Drevens. What an absolutely incredible, kind, and generous man, Sam is. Yeah,
1: brilliant. I'll tell you what, if you want a lesson on laser focus... Yeah, (laughs) it's just... It's incredible,
0: isn't it, that he he obviously, he said himself, you know, he likes structure. But to have that foresight to be laying those kind of stepping stones, one, two, three stepping stones ahead, but also then following following that path. Yeah. yeah. Very impressive.
1: To know, I think out of all our guests, I reckon that sort of probably is the youngest person who knows they want to be a dentist. Mm, Well, yeah, yeah, the age of 11
0: and not just a dentist. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Specifically an innovative cosmetic dentist. Yeah, no, very, very impressive. Um, And I love the approach in terms of sharing that knowledge as well with the academy, um, making sure the skills that he's acquired over many years, he's trying to compress that down to give people a leg up. It's
1: um, a very collaborative approach.
0: It is, yeah. And is I was good. also it. It was heartening listening to how strong that thread of the BACD is. You know, yeah, we spoke to true. Susie Rowlands uh, a, a few weeks ago, and she's obviously you know the, the backbone and so passionate about it. But listening to Sam and some of the other names that he mm. mentioned of people that have passed through that academy and what it's meant to them. Mm. Um, That's we it's really good. Yeah, and, and we were, you know,
1: and uh, it's quite a busy chap, isn't it? He's <laughs> he? He's got a lot going on. He's got a lot going
0: on. Uh, So, yeah, so we hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you do, please do subscribe because that would be absolutely lovely. Thank you. How are you doing? You
1: good? I am very good. Thank you very much. Looking forward to this one. I am. Should be fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is somebody who... um I, I, I've seen and we've passed at many events and we've only passed a few words. So I'm really looking forward to understanding more about your career. I hope they were nice words. No, Of course they were nice words. <laughs> they <were> always <laughs> nice words. Otherwise, I suppose you wouldn't be on. Exactly. Exactly. they were exactly. Rude. No, that would be fun. So, be fun. ladies and gentlemen, to. today we have Dr. Sam Jethwa joining us. And Sam's a principal and founder of Bespoke Smile Cosmetic and Implant Clinic in Marlow, Buckinghamshire. Founder of the Bespoke at Advanced Dentistry and Academy, which will be interesting to find out more about. And also vice president of the British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry and be moving into the role of president in a couple of years time.
1: Flair, what a massive business card. I was
0: going to say, there's a lot going on, Sam. How are you?
2: I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, not at all. Our not pleasure. At all. We've, uh, we've got a lot to get through. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking this might have to be a part one and part two. <laughs>
1: there's a Could lot be. To get there's through. a lot going
0: on. There's a lot to get to. Uh-oh. Sam, just before we kind of get to the dental bit of which there's, there's lots of facets, um, what do we need to know about you from your, your younger years? When you were young as a kid, you know, how did your life get shaped as a young Sam? Yeah,
2: uh, it's, it's not something you often stop and think about, is it? But yeah. I guess every little thing that happened probably shaped some way as to mm-hmm. how I am, personality, or what things I do, or decisions I make. Um, as as a as a kid, I was uh, I'm an only child. I don't have siblings, so how that how that shaped me, I don't know. I guess I do value relationships. I value loyalty. I'm very close to friends um, who you know from school, etc. were are still very close. So maybe there's maybe there's an aspect of for friends being family in some some ways, mm-hmm. but there's also probably I think comes from that is a sort of a fierce independence and a lack of willingness or wantingness to rely on anyone or, or anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, what that really has done for me is say so I'm in control of what where my future lies, and so wherever I want it to go, that's down to me uh, and not down to anyone else. So I think that's probably been quite a big driver for me uh, in my career. Uh, especially
1: Mm. were you sporty at school or anything like that Not
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's terrible at sport the one thing i could do sports wise was uh i I was not bad at cross country and stuff like that like long okay yeah but not you know not not sports there was absolutely not a single sport that i could do and be good at (laughs) there was no talent in that aspect did you try them though did you you give them a go yeah, of course. You know, it was the schools we, I went to, there's there always a games afternoon or whatever, and you'd go and you'd play and you'd have to do whatever whatever's on. Football, I was terrible at Rugby <laughs> didn't do at school. Uh, tennis, I wasn't bad at. And then we, and when we in, in my secondary school, we had things like horse riding and stuff, which actually was quite quite interesting, huh? and I wasn't yeah, bad I should... at but then you need a horse, did not you? And you need somewhere to Yeah, that's true. It's, it's true. True. Is it, is it it a useful thing to have. It wasn't really one that to got any further uh, after that. But no, sports wasn't the thing. But my, I come from a musical family. So ah. well, my dad. My dad is a singer. Uh, didn't make a full-time career out of it, but definitely uh, a part-time career out oh, of wow. albums. Indian music, um, has a band uh and i love that he just did a couple of albums how Um, many other people do you know my dad did no albums whatsoever sam at all (laughs) take around the world with that so so that that i think was assumed that i would have some kind of natural musical talent and i think i thought and we all thought that i did for quite a long time until we realized actually i probably didn't uh but (laughs) (laughs) was that was
0: that was it was that family being polite like those, some of those people oh, get food X factor. Do you know people you who get an X factor? Ah. They're terrible, and their family have told them they're yeah. really good. Was and that you? Told them that they're not very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, and they're in denial and delusional about it. I think that that probably was the case. And the people that knew that I wasn't very good didn't say anything. And my parents just just were totally in denial about it. Because wow, oh, can you not be good at it? Was but, it you know,
1: singing I, I, or playing something?
2: Playing instruments. So I did. I play. I did. I did get to grade eight saxophone. So oh. you know. I, I did manage that, but it's not natural to me. I did some piano right. grade five or six and then clarinet, guitar. Um so I thought I did quite a lot, but I wasn't it wasn't really natural to me. Right. You know, I worked hard at it and practiced a lot. So that there wasn't that either. So, you know, if you take those two things out, it's like what's actually left. <laughs> ah. Did you get good grades? <laughs> there was a struggle. I used to have extra tuition <laughs> on that as well. So there wasn't, you know, even that wasn't really going for me.
0: Um,
1: but when, we, somehow, when we
0: get onto your successes this is going to make it even more remarkable
2: <laughs>
1: but the yeah. girls loved him
2: yeah <laughs> yeah the interesting thing at school I mean talking about academics I was never really very academic either uh, but it wasn't bad you know I'm talking about comparing yourself to kids in a school where everybody's quite good right? <laughs> Yeah. So, so I was privately educated because I was the only one and they could afford to do that for me mm. if two of us it wouldn't have been possible mm. so I'm, I'm lucky in that aspect so, so that that I think helped me, but it was I was surrounded by people that were very clever, and so getting A, A stars was quite normal. So if you get the A, you're not you're not really doing very well. Mm. So I was kind of there uh, at that that so, so relatively speaking, yes, I probably was on probably the top few percent in terms of academics, but not in the environment where I was.
1: Mm.
2: Uh, and my natural uh, sort of uh, academic uh, interest lied in things like history. Um, English, the humanities, never really interested in science whatsoever. Hated uh, <laughs> chemistry, terrible at math. But what do you need to do to get into dental school? You need chemistry, biology, yeah. one other. So, um, yeah, I just kind of had to do the thing. So when I'm-
1: did you decide to be a dentist? Uh, age 11. Age 11? Yeah. Which
0: I must admit, I find remarkable because when, when you said that, Yeah, we we, we had a sort of uh, an exchange before, and you said, and and it wasn't just at eleven you wanted to be a dentist. At eleven you wanted to become an innovative cosmetic dentist. Yeah. When I was eleven, I was playing tennis with my mate Gary. I had no idea what. I I was riding a bike, enjoying life and being a kid. And you've already worked out that you don't just want to be a dentist. You've actually gone down a particular path from eleven. And what's even more incredible
2: is it's it's happened.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, a and out nowhere really. What? Why? Why, uh, why did you choose a dentist?
2: It's very odd, isn't it, for an 11 year old to think that's what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Especially when
1: your dad's singing. You know, yeah.
2: did you have any family that were dentists or? No, none. Uh, my mum works uh, and still does soon to retire in medical education. So being around doctors was quite uh, a normal thing for me. And that put me off entirely. It totally not what I wanted to do. <laughs> So I knew what I didn't want in that aspect in terms of medicine, uh, and there was a, there was there were dentists around, not related, but there mm. was a neighbor who whose grandkids were studying to become a dentist. You might know of Shamik Popat; he's quite well known mm. in the industry. Yeah. So uh, when I was nine years old, he was at Kings with his brother, uh, mm. and they were both, both just qualified, and they moved into their grandma's house, which is a bit of a bit of a bit of a uh, easier commute to the, to the university than where their parents were living. So. Uh, that I saw him graduate, and that was sort of a, an inspiration. I was about nine at the time, and then my dad had a friend who uh, who was a dentist, and I well, just I bet that, made, I bet that well, makes your meat feel old when you remind him of, that you were nine. yeah Exactly, <laughs> he graduated. He was doing his VT, and I was nine years old. Um, and so, yeah, but it's great because now we, we see each other, and we're yeah. both in the same industry, and and it's brilliant. So, um, so yeah, I was exposed to things. But it was the TV shows that like ten years younger and stuff that mm. I just, oh uh, like, yeah, eleven year old I used to love watching those those things, uh, and the dental bit for me weirdly was the most fascinating, uh, yeah. and so that that's where it came from. So that was
0: Rahul and Ash, wasn't it? I think Rahul and Ash were one of the early pioneers. I yeah,
2: maybe, know. and and I remember the guy in Knightsbridge, Surrender. <coughs> Surrender, um, yeah, yeah. that one a lot. I think maybe the extreme makeover before that, I I did right. I that one um may have been just before but yeah so then so then i am um, uh yeah it was it was kind of dentistry uh and then definitely the right i want to make be able to make those dramatic changes for because well, mm. uh, it just looked incredible and hard to believe it, that you could do something like that mm. as, you, as i think because i focused that on that since the age of 11 then mm. everything i did in terms of the choices at school or whatever in terms of moving forward into being 14 15 16 and um doing extracurricular activities or building your uh, UCAS CV and all that you know you start kind of like the 16 year old age on all that stuff everything was geared towards going into dental school uh yeah. so the focus was there and I think that just meant that I didn't really have any other distraction in terms of what do I want to do let wow. so main decision and obviously lots of work experience
0: yeah but but What's incredible there is, is we, we've talked before about the pressure that we put teenagers under to make these life decisions. You yes. know, when you're, you know, you're quite often you're 13, 14, 15, and they're asking you to make these, these you know, subject choices mm. that are going to determine yeah. which degree you do, which career you're going to have. So for you to have known the answers to that is, is quite unusual because lots of people don't. And, and you they don't just fall down. No, no, no not at
2: all. Could have, I could have thought that's that's what I wanted, and then I, you know, quite easily I've got it wrong. So we are we are picking things far too mm. early, which isn't mm. what other countries do. Um, but mm. yeah, we are. Maybe that, but, but, has, that's a wider yeah. conversation in terms of yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely yeah. How many people drop out of careers and don't follow mm. them through because of how yeah. early we have to.
0: And it's 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 expensive and time consuming as well to to go through, particularly with dentistry. You know, f- five years at dental school it's a it's a huge investment, and in, in in many ways, to then find that perhaps it isn't isn't your your true choice. I wonder how many
2: people, because of that, just stick with it when they're really yeah. happy and and yeah, which
0: is sad, isn't it? Yeah. To think yeah. that... you
1: probably go so far down a path, don't you? That you just yeah, there's there's no point from a. Probably an emotional point of view and probably a cost point of view Mm. of saying, actually, I've had enough. Especially if you can sort of get away with it. Does that make sense? You know, if you can put on a brave face Mm. and just earn some decent money. And I
0: I think in my experience, most dentists I talk to, I sense they genuinely enjoy the clinical treatment of patients. Mm. I think lots of the other stuff that goes around it, you know, the bureaucracy, um cqc gdc managing people all, all that is is hard work but the genuine when you have a handpiece and a patient in the chair it's unusual i speak to a dentist who still doesn't get a buzz mm. from treating patients
2: mm. um, shame we, we, we treat patients and we don't treat teeth that's that's the thing so then all, yeah. that, all that we can't cut out uh, but mm. also when you go into a vocational thing you also feel like that's your, uh, you are you are a dentist. That's you. Mm. That defines mm. you. And then you kind of have to really, really think outside the box and um, become, sort of re-educate yourself in terms of entrepreneurialism or marketing or branding or mm, learning a new skill. No, definitely, That's yeah. You. Mm. You, you, don't, you, you are a dentist. That defines you. So then you think there's nothing else I could do. What would I do? which mm. is why the GDC stuff stresses us out so much because it's sort of like, well, if I lose me, because that's mm. defining me, what, what do I have left? Which yeah. isn't really the truth, is it? We, you no, you no. put your mind to it and you become a density. Well, you could put your mind to something else and become something else. But mm. it's that block that going into vocations does uh, put on you. And mm-hmm. now you're having uh, just had a daughter a week ago. Obviously, the discussions around it, what would you encourage your kid to do, yeah. uh, you encourage them to do dentistry? I think, and I think, you know, it actually kind of does. It can make you quite a closed minded person in terms mm. of your own potential when you go into something vocational, because do you think that's still all you can do? would yeah. reality isn't the case because you can do all sorts of things in the industry or outside of it. Yeah. But, but sometimes I think it's just that's that's what you feel that defines mm-hmm. it, you almost
1: it? internally brainwash yourself mm-hmm. don't you so oh, that's yeah. the only thing you yeah. can deliver yeah I
2: and mean, we will come on to more more about your own career
0: but you know <coughs> you, you obviously there's a clinical aspect to what you do there's an educational aspect to what you do there's working with an association to further the profession so like you say it, it it's quite broad but you have to have the kind of the attitude and, and the desire to want to explore beyond the patient the patient in yeah. the chair Mm. So your your first um, exposure to the profession followed a, a family trip to Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how did what, how did that come about, and how did that kind of further spark your interest?
2: Well, my my mum's side of the family are all from Kenya, so mm. my grandma, or my my mum's uh, mum, was actually born in Kenya. So we're going back, you know, over about hundred years uh, of of uh, of Indian origin, but in East Africa. Yeah. And so we would go to Kenya every summer. And my auntie, my mum's sister, has uh, just 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 retired, but she had her own school in Nairobi, and so I was at the age of I think it was fifteen or fourteen, something like something around that time. Mum said, "Right, well, the summer you're just going to be spending over there with your auntie and my other uncle, her brother, there as well, and uh, they're going to take you to work with them, and you're going to learn about whatever they're doing and all sorts of things. And there's you know, and you can do what you want to do, but it's all it's there to." For you to learn right what life is like in a different country but also um other other professions so so then i yeah i went i went and um and they used to take me to my uncle did really well from absolutely nothing um he he built a property portfolio in, in nairobi owned a hotel had um, a ju- jukebox business which was big at the time before spotify and everything killed it uh, wow. also in bars and whatnot so lots of different things oh, What an, what an entrepreneur Yeah. And that was a big inspiration to me, actually, because no one in my family in the UK had ever achieved anything like that. Everybody had Mm. a job. And I and I was like, wow, you know, he's made his own job. I think that's Mm. incredible and done so well. And my auntie had her own school. So she wasn't just a teacher, started as a teacher. Husband was a civil engineer. And then they built he built her a school, which then she became the headmistress of. And then they started with them with a nursery and built another floor. And then it became all the way. Wow, What, What an incredible couple. Yeah, so I had these inspirational people around me who, you know, who didn't themselves believe to be any kind of an inspiration, but they're just going about their life. <laughs> yeah,
1: doing their own thing.
2: Yeah, shaped me quite a bit, actually. And my aunt said to me, well, you're interested in dentistry. There's a dentist in our local area. Why don't you just go and spend a, a week there? I know her um, and I'll, I'll arrange it. So I spent a week at this community clinic in, in Nairobi in a really deprived part of town. Mm. And uh, it was uh, it was quite eye opening. Uh, and then I did the similar a similar thing in the UK. Of course, when you're old enough to do work experience, and the difference was huge. Yes. But um, it, it just uh, it made it solidified it again for me that yes, you know, this is what I want to do. E- even after having seen the two different ends, the mm. two private end in a Western country versus uh, somewhere like a community clinic in Africa, um, it was yeah, it was like right. The difference is making to people, relatively speaking. Mm. Yeah. Is still big enough that I want to be able to do that for people, um, and that was. That's great. what I was
1: thinking: is is you probably were changing people's lives very differently, mm. uh, but but you're still making an impact, aren't you? You're still yeah. changing and helping and whatever. It's, it's fascinating. You know, I remember that thing with that guy. He's that guy? Very loud, Ian. About it was it Tanzania or something? Oh, well, I and mean, when you pretty look at I how many, say, yeah how many patients or potential patients there are per dentist. And right. then it must be similar to sort of Nairobi in a way. There's so many people and so few dentists that, that the the level of dentistry you mm. do is, is really just recovery, almost like getting people out of issues. I think it's brilliant. A great mm. juxtaposition, really, of showing two different ways, isn't it?
2: Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, a want and want in the UK where, I mean, my dad's friend was an NHS dentist, but did some composite work at the time when it was quite kind of new and all that sort mm. of things. Quite and then, um, and then you have in, Af- it was a, a want kind of treatment and then you have, uh, in Africa where I was, uh, uh, observing that it's a total need thing. Um, yeah. but ultimately, as you say, the difference that, that it makes two people, whatever the relative uh, difference they want it to make, yeah. was still there. So, yeah. That yeah. was it. That was all focused on on dentistry.
0: Yeah, and then roll forward a few years. You then went to Kings, where you you yeah. qualified as a dentist. What did What did your Kings experience teach you, other than how
2: to be a dentist? <laughs> um, yeah, I think Kings was Kings was fantastic. I was so upset on my graduation day, and I, I'm sure maybe some of my uh, peers of the in the year will will remember if they ever listen to this just how emotional few of us were. And I was one of them, like, I don't want this to end. This five <laughs> years ever. Um, and it really had. And if I think back to it, I don't remember the exams or the negative stuff about, you know, constantly studying, not having as much free time as everybody else who's doing different other courses. Mm. I don't remember any of that. I just remember the really good times. Um, I think your brain blocks those things out mm. after that. Uh, and it was a fantastic experience, because being a student in central London and being able to live there, which is you can afford to live there right that 's just not a thing you you can generally afford to do and so, as a young person, so I managed to kind of live in you know just off Tower bridge Road, really amazing uh location wow. by the river for full five years um and made incredible friends incredible relationships people i 'm still you know friends with now who work, now work in our clinics as well. We've got a few people from my own um, cohort, my own year, who work, who work oh, together. Wow. So it So it was fantastic. And one of the reasons I actually chose King's was because my parents, yeah. um, I grew up in northwest London, and I thought, oh, yeah, first year, I'll, I'll go into halls, and then the second, third, fourth bit, I'll just move back home. But obviously, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah. And what I did manage to do was explore my own city, um so much better so now i can I, I live now in sort of quite close to central london and i don't need my sat nav for me that's a big thing because mm. i could just drive in and i i know where i'm going and you know where you are yeah. where i spent so, five years in and around the city so, so, so if the, the density goes wrong and you can't do that anymore <laughs> you could
0: do open tour, bus tours yeah. couldn't yeah. you
2: you could yeah. be like a yeah. tour guide of london for well, the knowledge uh, it's funny <laughs> actually, do like the, knowledge. King, the king's thing about being in london was amazing yeah. i absolutely loved that because uh, now I just know my own city really, really well. Mm, uh, special. Aside from, of course, it being a brilliant place yeah. to, to learn dentistry. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was fun to me.
0: So you then have this metropolis of 12 million people living by Tower Bridge, going to King's, the mm. biggest, best city in the world. So you then decide to go and do your, what was VT then now, your foundation year, to rural Cornwall.
1: So that must have been quite a stark yeah. contrast. Take, take us through the thought process on that one.
2: Well, you say decided. I didn't decide it. It was oh. decided for me. Oh, that's where stuff. you got placed. I say <laughs> excellent. It was 2012, and that was the first year where there was a new system for VTs.
1: Right. So
2: the foundation training was has, has um, it was about. I think you could apply to where you wanted to go, and then it was that mm. kind of system. Yeah. Uh, but there was a, there was apparently there was, there was favoritism and. So-and-so's uncle's a dentist in, those, in, in Northwest London, and they're going to get that job. And it was all becoming a bit of a... a, yeah, a, a, a political... Party. And mm. so the people who didn't, sadly, and a lot of people in dentistry, especially the London universities, they do have family, maybe parents, mm. uncles, aunties that are... This is a demographic, isn't it? That are in the profession already. So they were getting all the, all the best training jobs, and then other people left not having them. So they thought they'd fix this. And they changed it so that you had an interview... And you, I vaguely remember it. You had an interview, you go in and it was kind of like a, a chat, but then there was also some other academic questions and things like that. And there was some kind of an exam and there was a few things to do. And they also ask you to rank all the foundation training regions. I think it was one to 75 or something really, really Oh my goodness. Mm. According to where you want to go. So I put one to 10, all the London boroughs essentially. Thinking, oh, yeah, you know, obviously I'll get London, of course. And then being so London-centric my whole life, of course, anything outside the M25 is, is like, you know, anxiety-inducing. It's a foreign country. <laughs> yeah. So- <laughs> get, your, get your passport out. <laughs> so then I thought, right, well, if I am ending up outside the M25, where, like, where would I want to go, which I'm never going to, because obviously I'll get one of the top ten. Of course. So, so then, um, then I put Cornwall. Because I thought, oh, that's a nice place. It's really nice. And then I thought things like Birmingham and Midlands and Hull and all those places really low down because they used to at that time you know, stress me out. <laughs> I can't be there. <laughs> I'd rather be somewhere I've been on holiday before because that might be quite nice. But I'm never going to need it anyway. Yeah. And then the then the rankings came out and I was ranked in the bit that was Truro and it said Truro and I just, just it was just couldn't believe it. So it's got it's probably about the yeah. probably
1: the eight people yeah. that put cornwall yeah. not bottom yeah. <laughs> excuse, me. excuse me sir there's
2: been a mistake <laughs> yeah i thought there's got to be some kind of a mistake you know <laughs> so, you could just uh, imagine
1: someone sitting there going bloody hell he's put cornwall 11th right he's yeah. that's a first choice as far as we're concerned
2: <laughs> yeah so that's what happened and then uh, i called my mum and i said what am i going to do uh and said, oh, it's fine. you know we'll go and be fine and we'll help you settle down and all this but it's so far away and and then i think what happened was the game changer really because i ended up there and you had a meet and greet with your potential practice owner the vt trainer and my vt trainer wasn't there well the one i ended up with wasn't there so everybody else thought Oh, well, he's not there. He must not be a very good trainer because he's not very interested in meeting us. Mm. So nobody put that practice down at all. And then, of course, I didn't really want to be there anyway. So I thought, I don't really want to be with someone that's too keen because I don't really <laughs> the reverse psychology. <laughs> saying, reverse <laughs>
1: psychology, going on. That's a bit like doing yeah. discussion with your wife, isn't it? When they're, <laughs> when they're doing the double bluff and you're thinking, well, hang on, what should I answer this? <laughs>
2: so that's how it went down and i put that practice um my top practice of course no one else did uh, and i was also basing it on location because it was in the center of truro uh, and i know there's a train station and that goes to london so i already had done that trip for to get there so um i knew i knew that okay location is quite good he's obviously not that like overly keen he's gonna sit over my shoulder and kind of like you know mm. stuff because i kind of just want to be here and get the year out of the way turned out that match made in heaven and mark who was my VT trainer and i are still friends now and we'll be going back 11 years and he taught me so much in that one year and the first thing he said to me was uh in the first day because i didn't make it to the to the the thing, I was away, uh, really sorry about that, but nice to meet you, and uh, I understand that you don't really want to be here. <laughs> so, uh, pleased, pleased to meet I, you. I said, yeah, I don't, he goes, well, what can I do to make it better for you, uh, which is really, really nice, mm. and so I thought, oh, wow, okay, I didn't expect that, so I said, the, the, the one thing that I would appreciate is if I would manage to, on a Friday, finish early enough that I could actually head back into London if I needed to for the weekend. And he's like, absolutely fine. If that's what's going to make you happy, because I think he appreciated it. If he's got a happy VT, the patients are going to be happier. It's going to have less hassle with me and whatnot. Mm. What a great lesson for you to learn early on. Mm. So he said, that's fine. Let's close the practice at 2 2 p.m. on Friday. In fact, you know, not just your diary. Let's just close the whole practice at 2 p.m. (laughs) on Friday. And so we did that and uh, I managed to get back um all mm-hmm. weekends except for eight of which three of them people visited me uh wow. so, and so oh sorry all all those and three of them were exams i was v- vt right. jdf and all those things and then uh, the other ones were when people visited mm-hmm. so i just was back and forth every weekend mm-hmm. uh, and it was an amazing experience the vts that i met were great a friend of mine another vt who um, didn't want to be there either. Um, moved in with me, and we had a flat share together, and it was really wow.
0: great. Mm. How long's and the was train a- journey?
2: Sorry, how long's the train journey? Really long, too long. I used to fly. Actually, I used to block book uh, my flights from Newquay, Um and I think uh, I did yeah. train, um, a couple of times. That mm. it's about four to five hours. Oh. So, in in retrospect,
0: <laughs> doing your training down in Cornwall. Was it a slower pace? Did you have more time? Was there better capacity? London, we know London moves at 100 miles an hour. So, as a newly qualified dentist, did it actually turn out to be a really good place to
2: do your your VT? It was the best place that I. I, mm. I everything happens, doesn't it? And for a reason, yeah, yeah. You make most of it, or you, or you don't. And I decided to make the most of it. Once Mark and I realised actually we have so much in mm. common, and we're, it's going to be a supportive trainer to me and uh, it was the best year ever. Clinically, I learned everything I needed to learn. I learned how to work with the nurses. The nurse the nursing support I had were, was amazing. They were so nice, so welcoming, taught me lots of things. Like even something I remember now is just at the end of the day, say thank you to the nurse, not just, okay, bye, see you tomorrow. Say thanks for today, etc. You know, just small things that, a lot. that they taught me um, was, was really, really helpful and has stood me in good stead. So I, I don't, now, see it as a negative. I see it as one of the best things that ever happened. Uh, right, yeah. So, yes, I totally agree. And having spoken to people who went to the places I really wanted to go, they had a very different experience. I think it was a blessing.
0: Brilliant, mm. brilliant. brilliant. Just before we get to your, your practice and your, your academy, um, you're, you're, you're quite well known on social media, on, on Instagram. You, you, know, you, you post quite a lot. But for me, your, your page, you post in a very positive way. You know, do things you put up. It's a it's a very positive environment. Is there a strategy behind this, and, and has it been has it been good for business? Because you were quite an early adopter of Instagram, weren't you? You were there kind of one of the leading lights in the early days.
2: Um, yeah, social media is a very interesting interesting area. Of course, I mean, we could be here for hours mm. talking oh. about all the nuances of social media and mm. all this stuff, especially within dentistry. Um, I was actually late to Instagram as a platform um personally because i was i was i was i'm very kind of i like what i like and i don't tend. i, I really need a push to get onto new uh, platforms like this so for example when facebook came out i was like no 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 resisting it myspace is what it's all about um, myspace oh my word MySpace, my <laughs> MySpace page, page was amazing i had because you could create whatever you wanted it's such a creative thing and that was always interesting to me is to be more creative so you can have your own backgrounds in music and all this sort of stuff. And then Facebook is blue and white and really kind yeah. of like CB. So I'm not interested in that at the time, of course, and then it's changed. Uh, so I was late to that. Then it was Instagram and people said, oh, you'd love it. You'd love it. You'd love it. Cause I used to enjoy my photography and all this sort of thing. Mm. It was all about photos and food and travel. And that's what it was at the start. And I said, I just can't bother with another app. You know, I just don't want it. And then I did, I got it in the end. Um, and, and then I, I I don't really know how, the, I can't remember really how the dentistry aspect started on it. Uh, I I think I just did one composite case of something that I thought was quite good. Uh, and I just put it there and then it was well-received. And I thought, oh, okay, we'll use this for dentistry. I think there was a few of us at the time. Simon, Simon and I were at university together, Simon Chard, the same year. Oh. We've known each other for a long time. He, he was, was starting to do lots of social media stuff at the time as well. Um, And so it was all kind of at the same time. So yes, I guess I was one of the earliest ones in dentistry. Did
0: did you, did you feel, speaking to lots of young dentists, there's quite a lot of apprehension now among young dentists showing their work. You know, they feel some of the cases that are out there are incredible. So as a young dentist, I couldn't possibly put my work up. Back in the day when you started, did you have that same apprehension of showing your work or what wasn't, was it a different time?
2: No, it was, it was the same, but it was more on Facebook at the time. Mm. So it was really, it was, I, I remember a good friend of mine, Richard Field, if you've um, yeah, yeah. heard of him, he, he's a very good friend of mine. And, and, but at the time, I, he was you know, just a dentist that I knew, didn't, didn't wasn't, we weren't really very, very close. But I remember uh, his work was exemplary and like totally incredible to me. Mm. And it was all on Facebook. And uh, seeing that pushes the standards up, doesn't it? Because then I am not gonna post something until I think mm. it's not good. Because mm. I'm gonna feel like people are going to compare. Uh, and so with Instagram, it's no different, but I think that there wasn't as much dentistry on there. So there wasn't as much comparison. Uh, and Facebook was always a place where there was a bit of negativity. Uh, mm-hmm. and there was, yeah. Yeah. I do not spend any time on it really. Um, and that was a place I didn't really want to go uh, with it. So Instagram was a lot more positive, And I think mm-hmm. that was why I felt more comfortable doing so. But ultimately, and I do say this, when when we'll talk about my academy in a moment. But some of my mentoring uh, dentists, who who I one-to-one with for like six Mm. months a year, often one of their challenges is how do I start putting stuff on social media and building my profile? Let's say on Instagram, for example. And the answer is, you just have to kind of close your eyes, put it out there. If you think it's half decent, then most other people really think it's half decent too, and most people think it's better than you think it is because we're always our worst enemy when it especially yeah. cosmetic dentistry, mm. so, uh, which is a good thing. It's a good way to look at it because you're always going to mm. want to improve. But um, that's what, and if I go back and scroll back, my work is, I look at how on earth was I posting that? Like, <laughs> <so fantastic? laughs> yeah, how did I ever build any kind of profile putting stuff out like that? Mm. But then times move on and, and your standards improve. And I think everybody mm. doing good quality workout now is pushing standards up even higher. Uh, which is a good thing that no one should really feel I don't think defeated by that or feel that where people are being judged. I- I've always steered very clear from any groups, because there are groups out there on WhatsApp, on Facebook, there's an of yeah. who will comment, even within their own private groups or whatnot, uh, about other people's work. And I've seen it over somebody's shoulder at a BACD conference about my work. I've seen it firsthand. It's people that I know. And that's really, really what's bringing our profession down. We should be working with each other to kind of improve uh, how, how we uh, communicate and how we talk about other dentists. And unfortunately, that sort mm. of thing is out there. You just have mm. to just do this and close your eyes. And, and close your <laughs> yeah, it. yeah no, I think them. that's good
0: advice. I, I, and I think particularly for younger dentists mm. who are yeah. on that tipping point where they're nervous about posting their work, hopefully they'll take a, a lot if from
2: you keep that. you thinking about what other people are going to think, then... No, you just don't do anything, do you? I was going
0: to say, I think you'll paralyze yourself in life generally if you're worried about the opinions of others too heavily. As long as you
2: know you're doing the right thing and you know, you're know you proud of what you're doing, you're making a difference to patients' lives and you're doing it in a safe way, then uh, that's something to be applauded. And then, of course, clinically, we can all get better.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So jumping away from that, um, you then set up your academy in 2018 and your practice in 2019. Yes. What was the journey from, you're now back from Cornwall, um, you're, back in, you're back in the safe confines of London. Um, what was the process to get from, from there to setting up an academy? And I found it interesting that you set up your academy before your yeah, practice I was about to well. say the academy first yeah. and then the practice. Yeah,
2: quite often it's the other way yeah. around. Well, what happened was I came back to London.
0: Mm. I
2: had a group of patients in Cornwall that were amazing and I really enjoyed it, uh, but they asked me not a single question. I think I had one patient who wanted to know what material I was using for something. Right, yeah. It was very much a, yeah, I need a filling. Okay, fine. Need a tooth out. Okay. And I came to London. I, I, I was, firstly, was trying to find a job in London. That was really tough. Um, through dropping my CV to every single practice across um, Northwest London, I managed to find somebody who called me back. And then there, was a, there wasn't there was a job available, then there was, and, then, and managed to get, get that. And it was amazing. In Northwest London, the private uh, and uh, NHS mixed practice, majority NHS. Uh, and I had patients who were asking loads of questions, <laughs> like, "What material is it going to be? Is it white? Um, you know?" And then all the the crown, why why can't I have the white crown? Or what kind of dentures? All these sort of things. I to start explaining all these things. Oh, well, I will have to take the tooth out. I don't want to take the tooth out. What else can I have? You know, it was totally different to mm-hmm. Cornwall. So the first thing that I had to step up was my communication of of how to mm-hmm. explain all these treatments, and I had right. to get quicker because I still had a similar amount of time. I had a little, I did have longer than I had in Cornwall, but only I'm talking about five minutes longer. Mm. Often these conversations would be 10 or 15 minutes on their their Mm. own. The first thing that I tried to work on was that, communicating treatments, but also uh, communicating NHS versus private, because that is such a difficult thing in Mm. a mixed practice to get right and stick within the rules and make sure you're always doing the right thing, because Mm it's very difficult for us to always know what is uh, going to fit in with the rules and what isn't. You know, so We don't always get it right. So that was what I worked on. But while I was in Cornwall, I had already, I knew that my, what I wanted was cosmetic dentistry. And so I had already enrolled onto various one year restorative courses before my BT finished. I'd already done some stuff in London back and forth there um wow. and i had some shadowing with private dentists who were doing cosmetic well, that's, work that's down pretty there. forward thinking
1: that's that's, yeah.
0: that, that's the 11 year yeah. old sam deciding yeah. that he wants to be a dentist this is the yeah. sam in his early 20s already mapping out your career path
2: yeah i didn't want to waste any time and i also mm-hmm. wanted to learn you know how to do that stuff that i was seeing other people doing thought was amazing so uh i bacd was really the the start of all of that for me because being around people who were already doing that were the people that I admired in the industry. Uh, it was sort of helping me to develop that pathway because often, as young dentists, we just don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. We know where we want to be, and nowadays, I have to say, everybody wants to be there overnight, and they forget <laughs> taking people like me over ten years. Um, even though you know, the grey hairs are coming in now, but people would still <laughs> consider me to be on the younger side, yes. which, which is which is fair enough, but. Uh, we, I graduated 23. I'm 34 now, so it's, and I haven't wasted any time. So it's been mm. constant um, uh, sort of growth. So it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and it's so true, is it? Ten thousand hours thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: ten thousand yeah. hours. Yeah,
2: yeah, Takes take, exactly.
0: take time to mastery. Mastery is not easy. Yeah. 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 But it so,
2: looks yeah, easy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Even then, you still want to get better and better because things yeah. change and your will mm. change. So that that is where I ended up, and I just continued on the courses, you know, ticking the boxes, right? Photography, composites, um, a year-long restorative, so a bit of everything, kind of weeding out the stuff I knew I didn't like. So root canal treatments, extractions, you know, I was I'm not gonna go in and learn more about those because I don't really like it. Uh, But then I spent a lot of time thinking that I was gonna become an implant dentist. (laughs) And I spent tens of thousands of pounds um, on implant courses in the UK abroad, For about three or four years alongside lots of cosmetic stuff so what i what i did is and often when we're doing our training days and we're talking about the non-clinical i always show this graph about the level of investment so you know when we graduate as dentists we actually earn pretty well considering we're 23 years old usually if you haven't taken a gap year or if you're doing Mm postgrad but quite young and you um are earning around about 30 to 35k a year something like that as a vt which is pretty was really good Mm-hmm. And then you and then you go into practice and that that can double or triple really mm-hmm. quickly, um, even with um, uh, mixed practice, some NHS, some private work, all NHS, you know, it, it's a volume game. So you end up earning a lot more than your friends who are not dentists who you went to university with, who are doing things in the corporate world, whether it's finance or lawyers and things. Those are those are what things my friends are doing. So I had a lot of surplus um, income per year, about 30 or 40 K, let's say. So what am yeah. I going to do with that? So I, um, because when we go on a holiday, we obviously have to match the budget, like a yeah. group of lads on a holiday, we match yeah. the budget of the person who can afford yeah. the lease. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's true surplus, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not like, um, you know, what am I going to do? That? So I just thought, right, I have to just self-invest. So I put that amount of money every year into different courses and training. And oh. I would say I've wasted a penny because even if I went on a course and thought it wasn't, didn't give me exactly what I thought it would, gave me something. Yeah,
1: um, you've learned something.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so I just invested a lot, uh, a lot. And I added it up the other day because we had one of our days where it was a non-clinical day about this sort of thing. And mm. it was eye-watering. You know, I couldn't believe it. You could buy, <laughs> you could buy a company's deposit for, for, for a, a London flat if you, mm. you, or, or, or more, you know, if you add it up. But it was all worth it. So I didn't waste any time. And through the BACD, I was then offered a, a position. I wasn't looking for one um in the private practice uh with uh, Rahul Doshi who uh, is ex-BACD president mm. uh, as well and um he was really keen to get me in because he was um inundated in their practice and they needed somebody to do more of the general work uh and that's that's where I went after London and it took me about six months to make that move because I was so happy where I was in my mixed practice and I felt mm. loyalty.
0: And also was that,
2: was that was that was that Hartford?
0: Yeah. Or Hartford, that, yes. yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of outside the M twenty five. This is getting quite racy again, isn't it? Mm.
2: So, and so <laughs> this I, was field. I was commuting from Northwest London to 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 Hartford. And yeah. I started on a day a week doing general their general stuff, the stuff that they'd refer me. Um, and then it became two days a week, then three days a week, then four days then it became five days a week. Um, and, uh, then the practice was going through a transition. So the principals were kind of, um, selling the practice on. And so I had to take up, you know, just because I was there then mm. the majority of the time, I had to take up a lot of the cosmetic work. So I was just thrown into this situation where I had to find a way of learning.
0: Mm. What, what what's quite nice in this whole story is how strongly the BACD features. you, know, you said about, you know, oh, yeah. you joined as a member and there was a big influence in terms of direction for learning and it was Rahul who then offered you a position and you know yeah. you're still heavily involved being becoming president in a couple of years time. The mm. amount of people that, that lean back on how important the BACD <laughs> has been in helping them develop their careers. It's it's yeah. a special special organisation,
1: isn't it? And giving back as well, yeah. which
2: is quite nice to see. If you look at most of us who who are doing this sort of work, they and, and have found our way in this in this industry to what to the kind of level that we're doing at, BACD will have some or some kind of academy or some yeah. kind of community, whether it's BACD, whether it's others, because others are now around. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Will will have played a part because you can't do this on your own. You you have to find ways of seeing how others have done it and try and do mm. the same. Mm. And um, it's, and was it, it, it's not lecturing in lectures it's like going out for dinner
1: the after, community yeah
2: yeah and then chatting to like, oh you've got practice that how did you do that you know what kind of work oh how, how, that's amazing and the things you pick up in non-educational environment being around people that's that's mm. uh, can't put a price on that that's mm.
0: amazing and mm. was that was, was part of that the the driver for you to set up your own academy Seeing how powerful that was, was that something you thought actually? I've got something else that I could provide now. You've got your um, your full postgrad diploma in occlusion and porcelain veneers. Was, was it looking at the BAC as an example and saying oh, there's a place for me?
2: I think n- not, not really. I think BACD is BACD, and it, it is so special uh, that nothing can compare. You know, as far as I'm concerned, what what it was was problem solving for me, really. Um, right. It starts actually with social media as you could go back when I when it, when my profile became uh, reached a certain point I was putting out mainly ceramic work because that's what I ended up doing only m- majority of the time and that wasn't something that was particularly promoted in fact it was discouraged um, because of preparation and all that sort of thing on the teeth etc and so I was kind of one of the few or the only one, putting out ceramic work on social media at that time. And that was because the practice that I was in was geared towards that. And then I had to learn the occlusion skills and material skills, all that stuff along the way. Uh, and so that's what I was putting out there. So what would happen is dentists who wanted to learn about that sort of thing would contact me and say, Sam, you're doing a lot of this ceramic stuff. I don't know anything about that. Um, there's nothing nowhere really. I feel I can go and learn that. Can I come and spend a day with you? And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely fine. And this happened for a couple of years. Uh, I'd have dentists coming in and spending a day and it'd be nice, it's nothing formal, no structure, mm-hmm. just this mm-hmm. watch. And at this point I had developed my own techniques of fixing the problems that I didn't like within ceramic work. So heavy preparation, which was what was how it was done. Um, false looking ceramic, um, you know, poor material choice or um, color and just didn't mm-hmm. look the aesthetic that I wanted mm-hmm. it to be. And longevity, because being in a practice uh, that you see the failures—it's five years, six years, seven years, mm-hmm. eight years, 10 years, even if they're not my own cases—I can then learn from that and say, "Look, this stuff works; this stuff doesn't work." Mm-hmm. So there were issues within veneers that I felt needed to be rectified, and so I worked with the labs and spent a day, uh, a week at the lab, for example, learning what happens there and fixing all these things, and that's where kind of a full, full handmade trial smile and the material thicknesses and we worked on the translucency and all these sorts of things um, uh, started. And then I would do that in practice while dentists were watching. And then what would happen is instead of all their questions becoming answered at the end of the day, they just had a much longer list of questions because (laughs) you can watch someone do something but you have no idea. It's like, well, you made that look easy. How? Mm. And then this happened enough that I thought, God, actually, I'm leaving these people more confused uh, than when they came in, which is really the (laughs) the opposite of teaching.
1: Yes, it's not your ideal, is it?
2: (laughs) So we had to put something more formal together. So I spent another two years then figuring out if I I was going somewhere to learn what I know now, how would I structure it? Because I learned a lot as I went along and Mm. trial and error and practicing and working with the labs Mm. and working with the patients. So it wasn't really very... Academic, because I'm not very. It's very more practical. So I put that together into a six-day course, and that was 2018. Was yes, was when when we when I um, launched the first course uh, because I felt there was no other way of learning this stuff on one day or two days or shadowing. It had to be a full six. Actually, it was eight days at the time um, uh, on a course, and then it's then it's developed from there. So we had about five people on that that. That course, and now we do two a year. We have um, fifteen on each, we have thirty. And now, mm-hmm. now that's become um, because of the hours and the amount of effort they put in, and we're teaching people more rehabilitations, full mouth, all this sort of thing. It's uh, developed into postgraduate diploma in inclusion and poor veneers, which is the only one in the world. Yeah. And then we get that qualification anywhere else, which is obviously something wow. that we're very really proud of. And, yeah.
0: and and you were saying that looking at lots of other people's work, and you now you know specializing in. Ultra thin veneers. What did, what did you learn from looking at other people's work in terms of their failures and the failures, failures that you, you've had that you've been able to build into this diploma so that people kind yeah. of don't make the mistakes that that you've been
2: through and you've seen. And you, that's exactly you hit the nail on the head there. I've made those mistakes myself, mm. and learned the hard way. So mm. when something fails, I've had to deal with that. So mm. because of that happening again and again and again and again. Mm. You tend to not make the same mistakes again, um, yeah. and then you develop like right, that mistake is a common mistake. Right, I'm going to stop that from happening or that failure from happening clinically because we're going to do this instead. Mm. And then once you do that, and um, you can only do that when you're only doing that one treatment again and again and again and again. You're working five days a week, seven to eight hours a day, only doing ceramic work and porcelain and veneers. Mm. You're going to you learn, learn. You learn don't you? We're going to develop techniques million times quicker than somebody who is going, who's going to be doing one porcelain case every month, even which is still quite a lot. Mm. So um, that has fast tracked me in a way because I've managed to condense probably Mm. about fifteen years worth of failure into uh, like an eight-year period. Mm. Uh, Right. Yeah. And so that's where that's where I. have figured it out but also seeing cases that in terms of you know as dentistry we're always focused on the clinical what works you mm. know kind of, how do i prep that tooth what material do i use how do i bond that on um all those things is what we as young dentists when we're sort of in our mid-20s learning these cosmetic things we're really focused on that clinical aspect and so that that's you know now we've got that nailed we've got our whole pro- workflow and protocol we can mm. teach but that, once we've got people to, to know that side of things, then it's a case of taking it a step further and saying, how are you managing the expectations mm. of people who are coming in to actually ask you for the, that kind of work? Mm. Do the best job of, you know, that, that exists. But actually, is that going to last? How are you going to avoid the long-term failures? Mm. Uh, and how are you going to manage that patient's emotions and mm. psychology from the beginning mm. to the end? Because often cosmetic dentistry, that is the hardest bit, um, the clinical stuff. You know we can teach you because we've been there and done it uh, but this bit is now the next step how mm-hmm. many days do you work a week Sam? So. <laughs> i well, yeah too many <laughs> um, i i uh, I was I was 5 days and then that went down to 5 days uh, sorry 4 days and then now that's gone back up to 5 days as we've opened our um, Wimpole street clinic so bespoke smiles now in marlowe but also in london wow. uh, and so i'm kind of spreading myself over everywhere uh uh, so yeah. So
0: so you've far. got two practices, a training training academy, mm. a sausage dog, and a wife who's a TV doctor and GP. So she's obviously got mm-hmm. a busy life in her own world, yeah. and you've just become a, a new father. So yes. where does the, where does downtime fit in? Yeah, it does
2: now. This <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> podcast go.
1: super relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so, so, yeah, and of course, BACD on top of that, right? Because yes. what, what people yeah. don't don't always know. And, and it's not something we publicize at all because you know, we don't have to. We're doing it out of choice. But being a board member on the BACD and having been mm-hmm. one for a number of years now, it is a job in itself, a separate yeah. job. You're yeah. communicating on the board as a board every single day um, on the decisions about, let's say, our conference or the education or the marketing. And I've been comms director for a few years mm-hmm. before I passed that on and I'm now VP. But that is—that's a full-time role, in between the clinical work, in between the the, mm-hmm. academy, in between getting back to my one-to-one like dentist that I can contact me anytime, um, plus all the business side of, of the practice. It, it's it's a lot, but I think that um, I'm not getting it right. I wouldn't say I'm getting the work-life balance right. I think that I have a very adaptable um, uh, 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 relationship, so my wife is very understanding. Uh, knows what I want to do and what I want to achieve and she never sort of stops me from doing that uh, maybe different now that we have a a, 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 mm. a, a baby so, so things might change but that the, the idea is that um, you know I, I do need to keep myself clinical because that's how I can deliver the best education um, mm. if, I, if I stop and then I'd start teaching fully let's say then i will um i'll only be able to teach what i know up to today And so you become out uh, of yeah, date it's, it? a guy, it's a guy that used to do it as opposed to a guy who's doing it mm. and, and they'll only get me up to today what i know yeah. whereas every day i'm in and every day there's something new i can bring that back so there will still need to be a clinical element it probably won't be five days a week mm. <laughs> once things are settled in Marlow yes. marlo and things like that so um, that that went also. Be- I sense your energy and passion for clinical
0: dentistry as well. You don't strike me yeah. as somebody that, whilst you enjoy the business side, I think you still have a real passion for dentistry too. I do,
2: and, and I think part of it is because I've created my own dream week, uh, in a sense, because <laughs> we have a really good team, so I'm very fortunate to have, um. People that have been through our academy, so uh, my associates have been through that, but also know from B, A, C, D. So there's relationships there with our associates who I, I pick based upon uh, what kind of work they want to do, where they want their careers to go, and then we always we we know what everybody wants to do, and we try not to have everybody wanting to do the same thing within the practices. Yeah. So everyone mm-hmm. does what they want to do. They're all enjoying what they're doing, but actually, from the patient point of view, you're covering all bases. But as a dentist, you're not being forced to do something you don't want to do, mm-hmm. and that's how I can focus purely on the veneer side of things, and I don't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So that means that I can um, see a certain number of people in mm-hmm. the day. So I'm not in five days a week seeing thirty people. Yeah, you know, I yeah. might see two or three. But that's a smart or, way to structure mm-hmm. your business as well, because mm, you know,
0: you say you loathe root canals or extractions or whatever it is there might be somebody else that takes that Mm. loves it so getting people to do the bit they enjoy it doesn't mean because you don't enjoy it somebody else will take on a job they don't enjoy they may love doing that but it's just not for you so balancing out what people are doing is a smart way to to configure it
2: and as a patient do you want to see a jack of all trades yeah that's right yeah Mm. But you know, well, it's
0: interesting. We, we, we were talking about that. Yeah, are we moving into a climate where we mm. are end up with people who who specialise? You know, you're still always going to be qualified as a general dentist, but you'll start to see you know specialists within a practice environment for mm. different treatments.
2: I think that's the way that it should go because mm. that is how the patient's going to get the best possible care. Yeah. Uh, everyone who, I mean, I, I can't. I'm not a specialist, right? On paper, because that I'm a I'm restorative general dentist, but I have special interest in a certain treatment, which means I'm better at delivering that treatment with fewer complications mm. and la- longer predictability for the patient. So that's good mm. for them. Whereas if I was doing a few extractions half and i will probably leave some roots in, <laughs> break their tuberosity, oh, yeah. God, right? Because I was not good at it. So why would they want to see me for that? Um, and my patients know that. They, they understand mm. that. You know They kind of seek me out for that. And I think that's really, really good for dentistry going forward. If people do things they want to do, not only does that mean you'll be a happier dentist, and we'll have fewer, we'll have fewer, this, uh, fewer kind of um, uh, negativity and issues in terms of "I hate my job" and all this sort of stuff that we see, which is really, really sad. within dentistry, mm. we have so much potential in the industry and in the in the profession that actually it's a shame that people are there and not enjoying it because mm-hmm. we, if we, there are things I'm sure that they do enjoy about it but if you could do more of that they'd feel be mm. better and so that's one thing in terms of mental health you know that we can choose what we want to do that will be huge for for the for the profession but then the patient will get the best care too so that will be good it's just only really possible in a private environment um, yes yeah there and is-
0: also with with good patient communication so it's explained to the patient why why this mm. is good for them whilst you'll see a number of clinicians you know you are going to get a better long-term outcome as opposed to it's changing the way
2: the de- the patients think as well because often they think, oh no, but I love, I really like you, I want you to do everything, and and that's you know, that's just how it's always been as a general G D P in a mixed practice, let's say or an yeah. NHS practice, but actually that if we can if we can move more into this specialty or special interest model, um, mm. then everyone's going to benefit, I think. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, it's the patient. absolutely. Sam, it's been a wonderful conversation. Yeah. I, I think it's great. I think the way that it's it's weaved together and who who'd have thought how instrumental going to Cornwall would have been for
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> the start of a journey. Yeah. We, we
0: always finish up with our guests in the in the same way. So we have two questions for you. And the first question is no. if you could be the fly on a wall in a situation, when would that be? Where would you be and
2: who would be there? That's a tough one, isn't it?
1: Um, Doesn't have to be deep.
2: No, do you know what? I've always been fascinated by, um, and you know, I, I like my marketing, I like my videography, I like all that stuff. As a kid, I would watch adverts, and some adverts are really weird, aren't they? Just really out there. And the, think about the Jaffa Cakes advert, you know, full moon, half moon, <laughs> right? Yeah. I've always wanted to be in the room when an idea like that is pitched. Ah, uh, okay. Just to see how where did that come from you know it's it's crazy yeah, be um quite go, interesting. go compare guy who's like you know the Pavarotti guy is like that idea yeah. is so stupid that if you're sitting in a meeting and you're explaining that say this is what we want to do mm. i'd really love to know how these people get those ideas through and actually they can be really successful yeah yeah oh, yeah it's always wondered that. It's not a very deep one. It's not like a no, big no. That's so good. I love that. compare the mere because you're, you're right.
0: Them. It's that thing of do people immediately go yeah. great idea yeah. or is it you're nuts and yeah. then you have to work mm. on them and
2: work yeah. them round to so the I idea and suddenly the persuasion comes in or like what's, yeah. their, what's their pitch like? Um, I mean, you can see how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just really interested in that. That that is where I'd really love to be a fly on the wall. Not like interested. Like when mm-hmm. no. Einstein had <laughs> discovered this or that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's you're, that's you're, it.
0: <laughs> you've been musing on the Go Compare guy and the uh, Jaffa Cakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then our follow-up to that is if you could meet somebody, you could sit down and have a coffee or go for a stroll with somebody, who would you like to meet given the opportunity? Well,
2: I'm going to stay consistent because Payman asked me this on his uh, podcast, and I can't really change my mind because that's the answer to the question. Um, and again, it's not deep, and I'm actually not really that into it. But I do think what's been created is amazing um, in terms of a brand, and it would actually be Chris Jenner. Oh, oh, yeah, unexpected. Because I, it was, yeah, because I just would, I just want to know how. How on earth did they create such a brand that is, just, I mean, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's successful. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's successful. Yeah, and she manages sure. the yeah, whole yeah, family. Yeah. She manages yeah. the whole family.
0: She's a proper matriarch of that. And imagine, yeah. I mean, perhaps in the early days, not so much, but now trying to coordinate those egos. <laughs>
2: I bet I that's a job. I think just as a business Situation that there's been branding, business situation, whatever—all the opportunities. I just think it's—I I would love to know the truth behind how how yeah went. how they got there. Mm. Yeah, not the obviously the what we get fed, which yeah. is not, no, no. again filtered. So, which I'm sure she's—it's almost control, a bit of another yeah. one. How
1: did they pitch that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they were yeah. kind of pioneers, weren't they, at the time for that? Yeah, yeah.
2: It's. Yeah. Uh, yeah so that, that that's that's uh, that's the one i want to ask a few questions to <laughs> sam thank you for your time fantastic
0: we, we clearly from talking to you today you're, you're not short of things to do so to make your time available to us is is very generous yeah, thank and you so congratulations much, on the on the new baby as well truly truly I wonderful having it really <laughs> pleasure to be invited no not at all no it's been really wonderful and yeah hope to catch up with you soon
1: cheers sam
2: thanks man
0: thank you for listening to this episode of dentology where we discuss the business of dentistry If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.